some important scriptures where Jesus Christ was dealing with some Pharisees. Jesus Christ was dealing with some Pharisees. We're going to look at some of that this morning. We're going to start at Mark chapter 7, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there should be one in front of you in the pew. We try to keep them out there for you. We, we believe in following the Word of God and uh, don't believe what I'm saying. Follow the Word of God and check me out. Don't, uh, you need to check out the preachers. Check me out. Make sure that it's the Word of God because uh, if it's not the Word of God, then it's just you're wasting your time. I want to preach this morning on how to avoid being a Pharisee. How to avoid being a Pharisee. Look at Mark chapter 7, look at verse 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashing hands, they found fault. They found fault. All right, so Jesus, if you know anything about Jesus, you've read through your gospel, you're going to find out about Jesus, he does a lot of name calling. It's not the same Jesus you see portrayed a lot in the movies and stuff, where he's going along with the flower in his hair and he's all sweet and kind. The Jesus you see in the Bible, he, uses, he calls people hypocrites, he calls them foxes, he calls them venomous snakes, he calls them all kinds of names, he gets all in their face, but mainly the people, and I'm telling you, Majority of the time, 99% of the time, when he's doing that, he's not doing that to a sinner. He's not doing that to a publican, a tax collector, some of the worst of the worst sinners. You know who he's doing that to in the gospel? He's doing that to Pharisees. You say, what's a Pharisee? A Pharisee would be the equivalent, it, well, they were religious leaders of that day. There were Pharisees and there were Sadducees. They were the religious leaders of the Jews at that day. The difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee, a Pharisee was like us in a sense that they were spiritual. They believed in angels. They believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees, they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in a spiritual realm. They didn't believe in a resurrection. They basically were modern-day liberals <laughs> is what they, that Sadducee was. But they were, you, you just could put them hand-in-hand, hand. Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes, here it mentions the scribes there in verse 1, the Pharisees and certain of the scribes. The scribes were in, in charge of taking care of God's word, of writing God's word, and detail, make sure all the words were, were not falling down on God's word. So they were important guys, but they were hypocrites. And I want to show you in the Bible five ways that the Pharisees acted. And I'm going to show you five ways to avoid how, how, uh, acting like a Pharisee. You want to avoid being a Pharisee. And I'm going to show you five ways the Pharisees acted, and that's how we don't need to act. Because, see, he's not attacking the atheists. Jesus Christ is not going to go after the atheists. He's not going after those that don't believe. He's not, he's not going after the sinners. Most of the time, he's going after these religious leaders that are hypocrites. And that's what the church is full of. The church, the modern day, and I don't know anything about what's going on. We've got a lot of missionaries on that wall that go all over the preach the gospel all over the world. I don't know what's going on over in Australia. I don't know what's going on over there in uh, China, any of these underground churches. But I know what's going on in the American church. And in the American church, there's a whole lot of Pharisees. There's a whole lot of finger pointing. You're going to see how the Pharisees act, and we're going to see how we can avoid that and how we need to avoid that. So it says there that they were watching Jesus in verse 2 when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with the fowled, that is, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. So the first sign of a Pharisee is they always find in fault. 
They're always finding fault. They're always trying to find something wrong. Hey, man, if you're looking for something to be wrong, you will find something wrong. If you're looking to start trouble, you will find trouble. If you're looking to judge me and find something wrong with me, trust me, it won't take long. <laughs> you're going to find a lot wrong with me. But if you're going to come to somebody and have the attitude like, I'm going to show grace, I'm going to show mercy. Why do we show grace and why do we show mercy? We show grace and we show mercy because Jesus Christ shows grace to us and shows mercy to us. And we look at other men and we look at other women and say, it's by the grace of God, that's not what I'm doing. God showed me and given me wisdom and I, I was able to come out of this pit and he's released me from this bondage, but not everybody's been released. And we need to show grace, we need to show mercy, but these Pharisees, they're looking for faults and they're watching Jesus Christ and they're watching the disciples and they're not washing their hands. Verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. It's not a biblical thing. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to wash your hands before you eat, but that's what they believe. Man, I wish I could have had these verses when I was young as a kid. My mom always making me wash my hands. Go wash your hands. Go wash your hands. Jesus didn't make his disciples wash their hands. <laughs> That's what I get for not reading the Bible when I was a kid. I could have really got her on that one. Verse 4, And when they, came, when they were come from the market, except they washed, they eat not, and many other things. Little nitpicky stuff. Many other things. Little nitpicky stuff. They're always nitpicking stuff. You know, Brother Joe Tillis came in. Uh, he did the conference for us. And, I love Brother Joe Tillis, and he came in, and he came in on the Wednesday night to, to uh, hear first Wednesday night before he did Thursday and Friday night. The first thing he asked me, he came in, he goes, hey, brother, I, didn't, I don't have a tie with me. Are you okay with me preaching without a tie? I'm like, brother, don't worry about it. I don't preach with a tie a lot of times. But there's a lot of churches I've been in that if you don't have a tie when you step behind the pulpit, you're sinning. And they're going to call you out in the past. If you don't have a suit and tie on, I would not be able to allow in a lot of Baptist, independent Baptists' uh, pulpits because I don't have a suit on. You're lucky, you're lucky you can get a tie on me. But that's the nitpicky stuff. Show me in the Bible where it says you've got to preach with a tie. But they, 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 their traditions, they're, they're willing to kill somebody over that stuff. Church them, run them out, call them full of the devil. They'll call you all kinds of things. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. Verse 5. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of, elders, of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? They start questioning him. Hey, they're not washing their hands. What, what difference does it make? These same guys think Jesus is full of the devil. These same guys think the disciples are idiots. They're just a bunch of fishermen. What difference does it make? Leave them alone, right? I mean, if you think Jesus is full of the, de which is full of the devil, which I'm going to show you they're going to accuse him of later on, if you really believe that, then what are you following him for? He's of the devil. Let him go. He's going to be destroyed by God. Let it go. But he's, they're following him around. Hey, we saw y'all not wash before you ate. We saw you not wash your hands. Why are you not washing your hands? It's finding fault. Verse 6, he answered, Jesus answered and said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Their heart is far from me. 
And we need to check ourselves. As Christians, we need to check ourselves and say, am I doing this because I've always done this? It's just a tradition I'm doing this? Or am I doing this because in my heart I think this is the right, right way? You might be amazed when you start checking some of the things you're doing and why you're doing it that you might say, well, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. We've, we just always had this tradition. You want to make sure that your heart's in the right place. Man looks on the outside. God looks on the inside at your heart. He knows where your heart's at and why you're doing what you're doing. And he calls them hypocrites because these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know what he's saying there to them is? We're just trying to worship God. We're just trying to worship God, and you, your heart is against us. You're not showing any grace. You're not showing any mercy. You're not, you're not following the word of God. And all you're doing is, in your heart, you're out to get us. And that's what you'll find out. A lot of people that find fault with what we do here at Indian Gap or what, or what other Bible-believing churches do, a lot of the people that find fault is because in their heart something's not right. There's church, we, we, we come from Brownwood. We pass so many churches coming to Brownwood. And I, I, I never have been tempted just to pull over and go into the parking lot and say, Y'all are doing it wrong. <laughs> Y'all need to be doing it like us. Here's the truth, man, I'm too busy taking care of myself. I tell you what, you mind your own business and I'll mind mine. Amen? I don't like people getting into my business. That's why I don't have a Facebook account. This church has a Facebook account. My wife has one to follow our kids because they won't talk to us. <laughs> so you got to find out what they, you got to find out if your kids, uh, you know, if the kid's getting married or is pregnant or what's going on through Facebook first, you know, and then, then later on you'll find out. The truth is, that's why we have a Facebook account. But as far as me, I don't want any of y'all knowing what I'm doing. I don't want y'all know what I'm eating, where I'm at. Because you know why? Because I know how people are. I can't believe he's a pastor and he's doing that. He's a preacher and he went to the movies? Yeah, yeah, I went to the movies. Now hang me up, stone me, crucify me, whatever. I actually like to enjoy life. He went out there and it was a Sunday afternoon and I saw, I saw a picture of the preacher and he was fishing on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I go fishing, I mow, I do everything, but I go to church. That's what, I'm de that's what you're dealing with with Pharisees. They make being a Christian horrible you know what you know what Gandhi said Gandhi said I might have become a Christian if I'd never met one <laughs> that's a testimony to us brothers and sisters how we judge other people how we always are trying to find fault instead of just letting it go you know I've had like right there it says the people honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me you know how, people have, how many people have told me they love me I love you, I love you, I love you. No, you don't love me. You say you do, but do you? Y'all ever get sick of that? That word loves, I, don't say you love me, show me you love me. Man, it's getting quiet in here. Am I hitting them? I'm, I'm not trying to step on your toes, but I know you love me. Listen, I'm dealing with my kidney stones, all that nonsense I'm dealing with. I've got some of y'all brothers and sisters, y'all love me so y'all y'all text me all the time. I mean, I know y'all care. Y'all don't have to care. And the older, when you get to be an older man like me, you start realizing, you start loving those people that love you and care for you. But I've had people say they love me and then they turn around and stab me in the back. You ever had that happen? I had that happen a lot. I love you, stab, stab, stab. How be it? 
Verse 7, How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. What's going on there? They're not teaching what the Word of God says. They're teaching what they want the Word of God to say. That's a Catholic church lifted up high and mighty right there. You go into a Catholic church, you're going to see a lot of things in a Catholic church you can't find anywhere in this Bible. And what they do is they decide, at one time or another, they decide, we're going to take the traditions of men over this word. That's what they're doing. They're wasting their time worshiping God, following man's teachings instead of the word of God. They lay aside the Bible from their own... They lay aside what the Word of God says and how God thinks for how they want God to think. And that's going on in the modern churches today. I turn on uh, the internet and see the news and I see where this latest church that they're supporting, the LBGQT, and they're inviting LBGQT and they have a, LBG, they have a homosexual pastor, they have a, a lesbian preacher, or they have all this stuff. And all I can say to you, brothers and sisters, is, that's a church, that's a people that have, that have laid aside the word of God for their own tradition. You say, you're judging them. No, I'm showing you what the word of God says. I'm telling you, that's not going to happen here. As long as we're following the word of God, amen. Because the word of God speaks plainly against stuff like that. You've got to pick one or the other. Look at Matthew chapter 16. This one's going over really well. I hope this doesn't, the whole service is not this, this tight. I can feel the tightness. Matthew chapter 16. Loosen up. I'm not out to get you. Just the word of God. I'm just reading, you, reading the Bible to you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 5. I'm not out to get you. I'm out to help you. This stuff's against me too. Trust me, I get convicted about this stuff. I read this stuff and hear this stuff and I'm reading this stuff and I'm convicted about it. Because I know how my heart is. My heart's not always right. I don't always have the right heart about things. You can ask my wife. I'm, I, there's times I'm sitting there and say, you know, this world would be a lot better place if all the people were gone. Just, it'd just be me and you and that's it, you know. Now, what kind of attitude is that to have? Lucky God don't send me down to hell and say, there you go. That's where you can stay down there with everybody else or something. You know, I'm lucky. See, it's not by the grace of God. That's where I'd be. I'm a hypocrite. I'm a religious hypocrite. I say I follow Christ, but I don't act like Christ. I say I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, why do you, Jesus Christ one time in Luke, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, not, and don't do the things I tell you? Man, I don't like that verse. I just want to cut that verse out of my Bible. Because that's me. Hey, Lord, hey, Lord. Look at verse 5. Let's look at another one. Matthew chapter 16, verse 5. And when his disciples would come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Leaven. What it is, leaven is what you'd put into, a, uh, into flour to make it rise. We call it like yeast. It makes it, it makes it rise. And just a little bit of leaven is going to make that whole thing rise. And, and Paul says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You get a little bit of that in there, and it's going to affect the whole thing. That's what he's teaching. And Christ says there, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reason among themselves, saying it is because we have taken no bread. So them being just like us, you know, just thinking in the flesh, they're like, well, he's mad at us because we didn't bring any bread. Which when, Jesus, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, 
O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? He says, guys, you're worried about me. You think I'm talking about bread? Did I not just feed 4,000 people? And how many baskets do we take up? I'm not talking about the flesh. I'm not talking about fleshly things. Things you can see, I'm talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. Verse 12. Now look at verse 12. Here it is. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Another sign of a Pharisee or Sadducee is to use false doctrine. Is to use false doctrine. If somebody gives you something, they say that Jesus Christ taught or that God teaches, if they can't show you a scripture out of the Bible, then don't believe it. If somebody tells you something, say, well, show me in the Bible where that's at. I was talking about that in Sunday school. I, I ran into a guy, and he was talking about Lilith. He's talking about all these little fables that the Jews have come up with in the start of Genesis. And I asked him, I said, where's that at in the Bible? Because I wanted to see where he would go. He had no idea where it was in the Bible. I asked him 15 times, where's that at in the Scripture? Where's that at in the Bible? Where's that at in the Bible? He said, it's in another testament. What testament are you talking about? Old or New Testament? Well, it's not in your testament. That's what he told me. I said, where is it at in whatever testament? Just tell me where it's at in Scripture, in the Bible. Just tell me where it's at. He finally got so mad at me. His face got so red. He said, I, I, I watched it on YouTube. Well, I'm not going to believe you for something you watched on YouTube. I'm not saying you can't find something out on YouTube, but come on, guys. If, you, if you're going to tell me how much you know about something and it's about the Bible, don't you think you better show me where it's at in the Bible? Had a, little, had a young lady one time, a young woman tell me one time, all babies, they go to purgatory. I said, no, they don't. She said, yes, they do. I said, no, ma'am, they don't go to purgatory. I, yes, they do. I said, well, show me in the Bible where that's at. Well, I don't know where in the Bible's at, but it's in there. I told her, no, it's not in there. Well, how do you know? I said, well, I've read it. And maybe, you, maybe I missed it, so why don't you show me? Since I missed it the first time I read it through, maybe you can show me where it's at second time. Well, my grandmother told me it was in there. You better find out for yourselves. You see where I'm getting with this? Don't even take my word. You better find out for yourselves and beware the leaven of the bread of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees because somebody can try to pull the wool over your eyes. The worst thing you can do is go to church year after year after year and not open up your Bible, not check the preacher, not check what he's doing. Do you even know why you believe you need to be baptized? Do you know if baptism, does baptism have anything to do with salvation? Does baptism have nothing to do with salvation? Why do we, what do we teach about it? What's the Bible teach about that? You got to answer, man. You got to answer. If they do give you scripture, you need to study it. The devil quotes scripture. Look at Acts chapter 17. I, this is very important for y'all to see this. Turn to Acts chapter 17. If you're following along, please turn to Acts 17. You need to know where this scripture's at in the Bible. Acts 17, 11. You need to know this scripture. You need to know that this is in your Bible and how important this is. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. 
Acts chapter 17, verse 11. So Paul, he was converted. He was a Pharisee, and he converted to Christ. But when Paul converted to Christ, he went out preaching, and he had some that would argue with him, some that would not listen to him, some would open the Scripture, but he came across a, he came across a group called the Bereans. And these Bereans, look at verse 10 of Acts chapter 17, verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. These are Bereans. Who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now look at verse 11. Underline this verse, put a star by it, whatever you need to do. You need to know this verse. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why were they more noble? And that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They heard what Paul said, and they received it. They were listening. They were listening with ears. But look, and searched the scriptures daily. Why were they searching the scriptures daily? Whether those things were so. They were more noble. Why were they more noble? Because they opened up their Bible and checked it out for themselves. Amen? You need to know your word. You need to know the Bible so people can't pull the wool over your eyes. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, the best way to do that is just to attend a Bible-believing church, wherever that's at. You don't have to be here. There's got to be some more. There's, I know for sure there's some other Bible-believing churches near Hamble. It has to be. In Brownwood, attend a church that's going to open up the Bible and preach the Bible and teach you doctrine so you can learn doctrine so you cannot be fooled by false doctrine. Because you can be fooled, right? Amen. Listen, guys. I went to Bible Institute for about a year, and then I came on back home. But the truth is, you know where I learned most of my Bible? It's from arguing with Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> Calvinists, Catholics, Church of Christ, Mormons. What, what, what do you mean, Brother Kingman? What happened? They knock on my door. Talk to them. I said, well, y'all don't even believe in hell. And they'd say, well, they give me verses. I'm like, whoa, I had no answer. They stumped me, and they gave me Bible. What happened? They would leave the door. I'd be red-faced and mad. I said, i got to figure this out. And I'd go, and I'd study the Bible. So the next time they came knocking on my door, I would have an answer. Because I didn't like being punked at all. That's why it's so dangerous for a Jehovah's Witness to knock on my door. Because I'm going to get them, man. I'm like a bulldog now. i got so much scripture and everything. They've tried to pull. I've had the big... Jehovah's Witness pastor come over with all this other, they came over, and they come over to say, we heard you were attacking one of our sisters. She came over to our house, knocked on my door, she asked me questions about Jehovah's Witness, and man, I lit into her, just bah, 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 bah. I could tell I was bothering her. One of the questions I asked her, I said, uh, you believe that the grave is, you believe that there's no hell, right? I said, you believe that hell is just going into the grave? She said, correct. I said, well, what did Jesus mean when he said hellfire? That's grave fire? What is that? She had no answer to that. Well, the pastor comes over. I heard you've been talking about that. Can we show, if you'll let me come in your house, I'll show you that Jesus isn't God and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, oh, oh come on in. That's the worst thing you could have done. By the time we all got done, he was slamming his Bible down and he walking out and everything else. And the friend that was with him looked over at me and this is no like, he smiled like, ooh. He, he's enjoying it. His, he enjoyed seeing that guy get stirred up. I've had Mormons in my house, and 
these poor Mormon missionaries, you know, young men, like this, just, like, please let me out of here, please let me out of here. Well, that comes from years and years and years and years and years of dealing with them. And people asking me questions I can't answer. And me going and getting an answer. It's embarrassing to me. And then as I become a pastor, I'm like, man, I've got to really have an answer. And you know what? Today I can tell you what? I don't have all the answers. I don't. But the more you learn of this book, the more the Lord will give you when you don't have the answer. Let me give you an example of that. So I was talking to this Calvinist. And a Calvinist, I didn't really know what they believed at the time. He's a Mennonite, Calvinist. And what they believe is that God chooses people to go to heaven or chooses people to go to hell. He chooses. You don't get a choice. That's already been made. He chooses. You're going to heaven, you're going to hell. You're going to heaven, you're going to hell. Well, what do you know the Bible, what do you know the Bible says in Jesus Christ? said, many are called, few are chosen. You got a lot of people going to hell and very few people going to heaven, according to Jesus Christ. So he's choosing, pick and choose. So. Well, he's talking about, man, he's giving me scripture, man. He's hammering me with the Bible, and I had no answer. And I was over at his house, and he had, he had actually fed me lunch just so he could attack me. A supper. And we're, I was at supper at his house, and, man, he just jumped all over. We went out to the front porch, and he just jumped on me all over me like a rooster on a June bug. I had no answer for his questions. I mean, I was just backpedaling, backpedaling, and uh, I had no answer. Man, I know he felt good because, man, he was getting after me with scripture. He's giving me all this scripture. And the Lord helped me because the Lord is merciful and the Lord is good. So we're sitting on the porch and we look into his bay window. He had seven kids, his wife and seven kids in there. So we're looking into this bay window and all of them are in there and they're all smiling and laughing and giggling because they're all still at the dinner table. Me and him are out there so he could attack me, you know. And the Lord gives me a question for him. If you know anything about Jesus Christ, he loves to ask questions. So the question I had for him after he attacked me, attacked me, he said, well, I said, I don't know, man. I don't know. What, I don't know. All I can ask you is this. And we look, I looked into his bay window with all his beautiful children. I said, which one of your children do you think God's going to send to hell? His face got so red, I said, he's chosen some of them to go to hell. His face got so red, he never thought about it. He's a Pharisee. Oh, well... He, God's chosen all y'all to go to hell, but all my family, he's chosen all us to go to heaven. It don't work that way, dude. <laughs> it don't work that way. If God's choosing, he's probably chose some of your kids to go to hell. You know what I found out according to Scripture? The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Amen. When you get to studying it out, you find out the Lord Jesus Christ wants everybody to be saved. He's not choosing some to go to heaven, choose some to go to hell. It's a false doctrine. That's what Jesus Christ said. He said, beware of that stuff. You've got to watch out for that stuff. Search the scriptures daily and find out the truth. Let's turn, to, uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 12. I need to get going. Matthew chapter 12. Let's look at another one of these. Matthew chapter 12. Man, the Lord's good, and sometimes he'll give you something like that on the spot. When you don't have an answer, give, if you've got the right heart. And the Holy Spirit will be convicting you, saying, something's not right, but I can't put my finger, something's not right, I can't put, well, the Lord will give you stuff sometimes, right on the spot. And that wasn't for me, that was for Him, to make Him think. Look at Matthew chapter 12, look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Another sign of a Pharisee is they're always seeking for a sign. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Another sign of a Pharisee is they're always seeking for a sign. 
And whatever you do this morning, let me encourage you, do not read verse 36. Do not read verse 36. You will be convicted and probably come down here and repent at the altar. Don't read it. Now, I know y'all are already starting to read it. I tried to give you really good, sound, biblical advice. Don't read verse 36. It'll convict you. But look at verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. Show us a sign. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. That's Jonah in the Greek. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He's talking about the resurrection. He says the evil and adulterous generations look for a sign. The only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of the resurrection. The only sign you need, brothers and sisters, is the sign of the resurrection. Knowing that Jesus Christ is alive, that's what you need to know, that you need to believe on him. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're always looking for signs. Show it to me. Show it to me. They don't want to live by faith. They want to live by sight. Show it to me. Give me a sign. I want lightning to come down. If God's real, then I want him to strike me with lightning. I've heard so many men say that. So many atheists say that. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll pop their mouth off. They're looking for signs. If, if God's real, then he'll show up and give me a sign. And They're always looking for a sign. Jesus Christ said the only sign you're going to get is the sign of the resurrection. That's the only sign we need. Amen? That's the only sign we need. I know We just sang it in the song, in the hymn. I know that Jesus Christ is alive because he lives in my heart today. He lives in you. He lives in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So an evil, a, a Pharisee always is seeking for a sign. So, Brother Quig, he kind of he let me off on this one. This man goes up to the preacher. Goes up to the preacher and he said, Preacher, I need you to pray about my hearing. And the preacher says, Yes, sir. Amen, brother. Pow. Hits him on the side of the head. Pow. Glory to God. Pow. Hits him again on the other ear. Glory to God. Slaps him in the forehead. Glory to God. Slaps him again in the side of the head by his ears. Glory to God. He says, Man, how's your hearing? He goes, I don't know. It's not till next Tuesday at the courthouse. Not till next Tuesday at the courthouse. <laughs> so that's the kind of hearings that I have trouble with. I need y'all to pray about my hearings. That's the kind of hearings I have trouble with. Praise God. We're not looking for a sign, brothers. Just listen to me. When you, you pray and you pray and you pray and you don't get healed up or whatever you're praying for doesn't happen, you've got to make a decision in your heart. What am I going to do? You're going to have to be like Job. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And that's where I'm at. You know, I'm dealing with my, my health issues. been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And you finally just say, okay, Lord, whatever. If you want to kill me, kill me, Lord. But just get it over with, you know. I'm not going to stop believing. Amen. Amen, amen. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 9. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. I'm getting done. Matthew chapter 9. I couldn't wait to tell that joke, by the way. I can tell that joke 50 times, and I laugh at myself 50 times over. That's a good one. That's a real, real good one. Matthew chapter 9, verse 32. Here's another sign of a Pharisee. Y'all don't have to deal with this a lot. 
I deal with this some, not because people are jealous of me, but I deal with this with other preachers. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 32 is a, a sign of the Pharisees that are jealous of other people's ministry. As they went out, and behold, they brought him a dumb man. A dumb man, not like, like uh, somebody up in Washington, but somebody who can't speak. A dumb man possessed with the devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. So, you know, Jesus Christ does an amazing miracle right there. Verse 34, but the Pharisees said, he casteth out devils to the prince of the devils. Just like I said, they called him, he said he's devil-possessed, demon-possessed, unclean spirits. They're jealous of his ministry. Instead of being happy that this man who's been suffering all those years and couldn't, couldn't speak, instead of being happy for that man, they're attacking Jesus Christ for what he did and how he did it. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, you just got to let people do for the Lord what they're going to do for the Lord. I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of churches in this area that do things the way they do for the Lord. That It's not how I would do it. But I'm not going to stop by, like I said, and say, hey, y'all need to stop doing that. Because the Lord's doing with them what they, He wants to do. They're going to answer to the Lord. We're going to answer to the Lord. But you'll be amazed how many Pharisees I see get jealous over somebody else's ministry. If you talk to a lot of pastors, they'll say, how many numbers are you running? How many, how many people you have in church? You know what I tell them every time? I don't know. I don't count. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea how many I'm running. Sometimes I'll just tell them five. I'll run about five. Just so, you know, just leave me alone, man. Let me do my stuff. You do your stuff. That's what you have going on there. They have no love for other people. There's some, there's some ministries. Okay, I'll be honest with you. There's some ministries that are using, a, I think, are using the wrong Bible. They're using the wrong Bible. Their doctrine is not all straight, according to the Bible. But they're helping people get out of addiction, drug addiction. They're helping people get out of, and you know what I think? Praise God. If I see a brother that's able to kick drug addiction, and he, and, he, and he gives all the glory to Jesus Christ, who am I to say how they did and how they didn't do it? I'm looking at the man that's been, that's, who can go home to his wife now, who can live a, uh, can go home to his kids and live a good life, and if Jesus is getting the glory out of that, praise God! Is that how you would have done it? No, but it worked. And you got to let it go and not be a Pharisee. Let's look at one more, Luke 19, and we're closing. Luke 19, I promise, this is the last one. So I'll give you five of these. This is going to be the fifth one. Luke 19, verse 36. This is one of the greatest signs of a Pharisee or a Sadducee. And you'll notice this in churches. You'll notice this on TV. You'll notice this all through our society. And it's simply this, a Pharisee cannot stand, now listen to me, a Pharisee cannot put up with or stand Jesus Christ getting any glory. They can't stand it. They can't stand Jesus Christ getting the glory. That's the greatest sign of a Pharisee. Finding fault and not liking Jesus Christ getting the glory. Look at verse 36, Luke chapter 19, verse 36. And as he went... That's Jesus Christ. They spread their clothes in the way. He's coming in as triumphal entry into Jerusalem before he's crucified. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. So they're praising Jesus Christ, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're praising Jesus Christ as a King. Look what the Pharisees does do in verse 39. 
And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Tell them to shut up. They're praising you too much. They can't be saying that you're a king. They can't be praising you for all the mighty works you did. You need to tell them to shut up. In verse 40, Jesus says, And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Ooh, praise God. Can you imagine that? Jesus Christ said, you know what? You could kill all these people and shut them up. The earth, the stones themselves would cry out. What would the earth and stones cry out? Jesus is Lord. Glory to God to Jesus. He gets all the glory. In the end, he's going to get all the glory. And what bothers me to no end is to turn on some of this preaching on TV, some of this preaching I hear on the Internet, some of this thing, and they'll talk about God, they'll talk about living a life, they'll talk, but they'll not mention the name of Jesus Christ. That bothers me to no end. If it's not about Jesus Christ, then it's not about nothing. It's all about Jesus Christ. He gets all the glory. Listen, Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm not waiting for anybody else to come back but Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one that died for me. Jesus Christ is the only one that loved me. Jesus Christ is the only one that saved me. Jesus Christ is the only one today that's keeping me. Why would I want to give the glory to anybody else but Jesus Christ? I don't give the glory to any Gap Baptist church. I don't give the glory to any kind of Baptist church or Church of Christ or Catholic church or to denominations. I give all the glory to Jesus Christ. He deserves it. He's earned it. He's worthy. He's the lamb that's worthy according to Revelation. And a Pharisee will try to take that glory away. You know what's the scariest thing about the book of Revelation to me? Not scariest. but A lot of times I use that verse, Revelation 3.20. Jesus Christ stands at the door and knocks. Female will let me come in. I will come in and sup with him. You know what that, what that verse is? That's him standing at the church the Laodicea church, the end times church. He's outside of his own church, and he's knocking. He's like, will y'all guys let me in? And I'm afraid that there's a lot of churches in America where Jesus stands at the outside and said, I want to come in, but you kind of kicked me out. It's all about youth programs. It's all about uh, drink, drinking, fellowshipping, socializing, anything but glorifying Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're missing out. He's the best thing ever happened to me. He saved me. He's keeping me. And I want you to have the same thing I have. And it's easy to have it. Just come on down and take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Knowing he died for your sins. Knowing he was buried and he rose again on the third day. If you believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. And you come as a sinner saying, Jesus, will you save me? You know what he'll do? He'll save you. And he'll keep you. And then you'll know why, I'm, why you'll be like me and you'll say, glory to Jesus Christ. Whew. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the Internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. 
and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him